Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to TNC. This is the Neutral Corner, episode number 359. And um, as always, guys, I remind you, please pay that fee. It's non-monetary. I just ask that if you get something out of the show, you share it. That's all I want. That's all I need. All right, just share the show, whether you're watching live on YouTube or you're checking out the audio pod, wherever you listen to audio pods, make sure that you uh, share the show. Make sure that you're following me. You're subscribed. You give me likes, ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Um, I just realized I have not even combed my hair today. I'm a mess. I didn't even comb my hair. I went out, did, did a run, got my got my road work in, <clears throat> took a shower, ate some lunch, got cleaned up, but I didn't even comb my hair. So I probably look a little ragged, but we're going to have a good show. <laughs> uh, let's get right into it, man. Let's get right into this. And um, we got we got some good stuff to review and preview. Okay. And some bad and some bad. But I want to start with a little bit of news. Um, and really, this isn't news. I should call this rumors. Now, I, I don't like to engage in rumors most of the time. Most of it's just, you know, fight negotiations and stuff like that. I, I just, I'm really not interested in that. But um, this is something that has serious implications for the sport. So there are a, a lot of credible sources talking about this, and they've been talking about it for a while, that Showtime, <clears throat> the network, is eventually going to be bowing out of boxing. <clears throat> and you can kind of see the writing on the wall, because it, if you look at the last couple of years, really since the COVID pandemic, the only really, really decent fights that Showtime has go straight to pay-per-view, right? Remember, Fox used to be working with PBC, and PBC was on Showtime and Fox. The whole Fox thing completely dried up. We had, when's the last time we had anything on Fox or FS1 that you guys can remember? Now, on Showtime, uh, we have seen some Showbox cards and some stuff like that. They're really cheaply, easy-to-produce stuff. They're cheap-to-produce stuff. We've seen it on regular Showtime. But the overwhelming majority of the high-profile cards have been pay-per-view this year and in recent years, increasingly in recent years. We, of course, we have a big uh, Showtime pay-per-view fight this Saturday, which we'll talk about in the show. And I think Tim Zhu has a fight coming up. And then after that, Showtime's um, schedule is completely blank. Completely blank, right? Uh, we know that there are fights coming up. Uh, Benavidez, Andre, they're talking about in November. That will be pay-per-view. So we're going to have a couple more pay-per-views to round out the year. But more and more sources are starting to come forward and say that Showtime's probably going to be bowing out of boxing within the next year or so. And again, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, however, what does this mean? Does this mean PBC is completely going away? I don't think so. I think that obviously the, the, the obvious move here is to go over to Paramount, the app, right? There's a Paramount app and it's the, the parent company owns it. And it would make sense to go over there and go for some kind of distribution deal. The question is, does Paramount want that? And would Paramount be willing to pay the amount of money that Heyman and Heyman's fighters in particular are used to commanding? Also, what kind of distribution deal are they going to get? Will they have fight rights? Will they have overseas fight rights? Because that's the big one. The big thing with top rank and the deal they signed with ESPN is the money doesn't look very impressive uh, compared to a lot of ESPN's deals with top rank, but that's just in America. 
top rank can sell their fights because they own all their fights. ESPN doesn't own them. Top rank does. Top rank can sell those fights. They can distribute those fights in foreign markets and they take that money. ESPN doesn't. So they have a really specific deal worked out with Disney, I should say, slash ESPN. Can PBC get something like that with Paramount or will they have to share? uh with the profits so so that all remains to be seen again I, and none of this is, is is set in stone or you know confirmed or anything guys these are just the rumors i'm hearing and it it, it does have <clears throat> does have massive implications for the sport and if it does go this route over the next year or so and we see uh pbc basically move to paramount there's going to be a lot of trolling because guys like Leonard Ellerby and even Steven Espinoza were making fun of the zone and ESPN plus saying who fights on an app. These guys got to come fight on our side of the street. Remember all that. So there's going to be memes everywhere and trash talk, but in all seriousness, uh, besides all the hypocrisy and all that, that comes from that platform. Um, you're going to have a kind of a three headed app monster here in America. And if you're a fight fan, you're going to have to pay for the zone. You're going to have to pay for ESPN plus, you're already paying for ESPN um, with your cable package. That is potentially going to blow up over the next year or so. I'll talk about that in a second. But you're going to have to get ESPN Plus, and then you're going to have to get Paramount, right? And that's just here in America. I know it's different in, in other parts of the world. But um, that's that's a major shakeup, and it would also signify um, boxing being completely off of TV except for ESPN which eventually maybe it goes off of ESPN. I don't know. It's just boxing is so cheap to produce and ESPN is desperate for content right now that I do think top rank will probably be the last man standing um, on, to have boxing on TV, regular TV, although it would be cable TV here in the United States, um, which is really saying something. When you look at where we were five, 10 years ago, um, it, it's it's interesting, man, the way these things move around. And also the, the the track record that is with certain entities in boxing where every single network they go to eventually bows out of the sport. There's a track record. Um, it, it's interesting, you know. So this opens a lot of things up. And um, when you talk about the quality of what fans have received this year, uh, I troll a lot, you know, um, the, the, the people saying – because look, man, first half of this year, people were trying to tell us that this was a renaissance year in boxing, that this was the best year we've had in 30, 40 years. Nothing could be further from the truth. We have had exactly one super fight this year. One. Plant Benavidez doesn't count. Davis Garcia doesn't count. Lomachenko Haney does not count. Uh, Canelo Charlo does not count. We've had one super fight. It was Crawford Spence. And the reason that even was billed as a super fight is because Spence's promotion ran a grift for about a decade and built him up into something that he wasn't. No disrespect to him. Spence is a good fighter, but he was ranked number three, four pound for pound at multiple platforms here in America. Uh, that just, he's just not that fighter. He's not that guy. Errol Spence is a little bit better than Sean Crawford. Sean Crawford. Uh, Sean Porter. Sorry, guys. He's a little bit better than Sean Porter. Errol Spence is a little bit better than Danny Garcia. That's Errol Spence's level. He's a good fighter. He's definitely a good fighter. He's not Terrence Crawford level. He's not. 
So the one super fight we got this year was really uh, someone, a grift being exposed. And what's crazy is that fan base is still so set in, in their belief system, their religion, if you will, that they want to see a rematch. Uh, most sane people, including people that care about Errol Spence's health, don't want to see a rematch at any weight. But um, that's that's where that fan base wants to go with that. Um, so this year, you know, we have had some good matchups. Obviously, Lomachenko Haney was a good matchup, and it, it turned out to be a really good fight. Benavidez Plant was a good matchup. That is a fight that should have taken place probably three years ago. It was well past its due date, uh, but it was a good matchup. Davis Garcia on paper was an interesting matchup between two very unproven young contenders. In the case of Ryan Garcia, more like a prospect. In the case of Geronte Davis, a high-level contender. Um, so those are interesting matchups. Canelo, Charlo, you know, I'm ho-hum about it. I think it's going to be a good fight because of where Canelo is at in his career. We'll talk more about that later. But these are all interesting matchups. But are, are, are these pay-per-view worthy matchups, guys? These were HBO boxing after dark level matchups 20, 30 years ago. And I know some of you young guys don't like when I talk like this and you get really, really pissed off. If you're in your 20s and you're hearing me talk like this, you're saying, oh, Mike, you're just an older guy in his 40s who is just talking like, you know, your dad. And let's say we eventually all turn into our dad, right? And you say things that your dad said to you when you were young. I hear you. I get it, okay? But I want you young guys to understand something. I'm a child of the 80s, a teenager of the 90s, a young adult of the 2000s, all right? I have, I'm 44 years old. That means I have seen, I've observed four generations of boxing, okay? The 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And I've observed them in different ways. In the 80s, it was as a child. So it's very, very, you know, just casual fan watching because my dad was watching. In the 90s, it was a little more nuanced as a teenager. You could kind of understand what's going on. And then, you know, as an adult in the 2000s, a young adult, it was I was living on my own for the first time and paying for HBO and Showtime. And I, I cared about the quality of fights I got because for the first time in my life, I'm paying for cable, living on my own, you know. Um, and then in the 2010s, I'm part of the boxing media observing the sport. So I've seen it from different angles and I've seen four generations. And I'm telling you guys, I know quality when I see it. Okay. I have that nuance by being a guy that's a little more mature and, and someone who's watched boxing and participated in many different ways in the sport. Okay. So I definitely have a unique multi-layered perspective here. And I know quality. I know greatness when I see it. I know when the best are fighting the best. And you younger guys, some of you do too, but some of you are still learning. And you have no basis of comparison yet. You're not there yet. And I wasn't. When I was 22, I thought I knew everything. And I would say, oh, man, this is the best era ever. And guys that grew up in the 70s would say, these 70s heavyweights would whoop your 90s heavyweight. Right? You always get that generational thing. The difference now, guys, is you're being told that Plant Benavidez Tank Garcia, you know, those kinds of fights, Canelo Charlo are super fights. You're getting six or seven super fights in 2023. Oh my gosh, this is the best year since the 70s. 
right? That's what the media tried to tell us. And honestly, if you just go back 30 years, just go back, where are we in 2023? Go back to 1993. So that's 30 years. I don't even know if this year's in the top 15. I really don't because it's not, it doesn't compare to anything in the 90s or 2000s. Um, there's several years in the 2010s that were better. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Um, and the reason why I will say this, PBC has stepped up this year. It has stepped up and they have actually had more high quality matchups over the last year or two than they had in their first five or six years of existence as PBC. And if you look at Heyman and his history back at HBO, there was what a decade there or something um, better, probably better than any of those years as well. Okay. So they have stepped it up. All these matchups are on pay-per-view though. So if you kind of read between the lines to what's happening, remember now, Steven Espinoza is not the top dude. He has a boss now above him with the restructuring over there at that company. So he's got someone telling him what to do. And they're suddenly, when that sh shakeup happened at the company, PBC is putting on more high quality matchups. You're getting top guys, guys like Benavidez and Plant who avoided each other for years. They should have fought three, four years ago, suddenly fight this year, right? What does that mean? And why are they all going to pay-per-view instead of regular showtime? Yes, you have to pay the money that these fighters demand. Yes, that, that, that's part of it. But if the network was willing to put up that money, you could keep it on regular showtime. They're not willing to. So what does that say about showtime's involvement in this sport down the line? I think you can read between the line and see what's going on. Um, it's always difficult to predict with PBC. They make a lot of strange moves. They kind of move in the shadows and stuff. And it's, it's kind of hard to follow them sometimes. Um, I wish them well. I, I, I want boxing to succeed. Uh, but if they go over to Paramount, the silver lining here is, depending on the deal that gets structured, they may be forced to, to have a price correction as to what their fighters get paid. And uh, perhaps, perhaps there could be a market correction across the board. And I think that is the only thing that can save this current model because it's so fragmented and segmented. And if this actually happens, if Showtime bows out, that's going to further continue and you're going to have more and more apps. And unfortunately, you know, you got, we were told that DAZN would be just DAZN, ESPN plus would be ESPN plus, but now you're also paying for pay-per-view on those streaming platforms. So you're paying for the streaming and then you got to buy a couple pay-per-views. Um, that model just cannot sustain. So something has to give at some point. <clears throat> I, I do, one of you guys here, Omar is asking me in the chat, uh, do you think Showtime boxing is going the way of HBO boxing? I do. I, I absolutely do. Um, and and, and HBO, there's several reasons why they bowed out of boxing. Boxing was still fairly profitable um, because, again, it's, it's not that expensive to produce. And you think of some of the last couple pay-per-view cards they had, uh, the Triple G Canelo fights, those were very profitable shows. It's about, with boxing, it's not as big of a moneymaker as other things. You also don't get the Hollywood accolades and stuff from boxing. You're not going to go to the Oscars or what Academy Awards or whatever the hell it is and win all these awards because of your boxing content, right? You're going to have to produce original programming for all that. So there's way more money put into that side of it. Uh, boxing is just a piece, right? 
but the people at the network have to love the product and they have to want it there. When they don't, when they have other priorities and there are other things that they want to promote, other agendas and things like that, boxing's going to fall by the wayside. I, that's that's more of what happened at HBO than ratings and profitability and all that. HBO has several programs that don't do shit when it comes to ratings. Showtime, a lot of their ratings are abysmal. That Jesus Samara, who I, I can't even think of these dudes' names, had a show for several years. Their ratings were terrible, absolutely terrible. A lot of Showtime shows, maybe they get 100,000 people watching, right? Maybe but it's all subsidized by the money at the network. So it's not necessarily about ratings and things like that. It's about where the people in charge, what they wanna do with the programming, where they wanna take the network. So um, based on what I'm seeing with the executives now over at Showtime and the people that have come in and come on board, I don't think boxing's a priority for them. I think that they're forcing PBC to step up their matchmaking, which I appreciate, and that's a good thing. And, and Espinosa and those guys are having to put together some higher quality matchups. Uh, they're still not great. Benavidez versus Andre, I'm sorry, that's not a really great matchup. It's interesting, but what the hell has Andre done in the last decade to make this any kind of super fight, right? Um, so there's just an example. But on paper, that's one of the best matchups PBC has had in years. Like it's among their top matchups when you think about it, just like Benavidez plant was um, on paper. That's one of their higher level matchups. That's up there with like Thurman Garcia and fights like that, that were once on regular American network TV uh, not too long ago, uh, but they blew that up. So um, yeah, dude, I, I just showtime. It seems that they want to put any high quality fight. It goes to pay-per-view because they don't want to put up the money for these fights. If they believed in the product, they'd be putting up the money. That starts to get my mind wandering, okay? And then when I hear about um, other things, um, you know, just with some of the people taking over at the network, and I know who some of these people, their track record, their history, they don't give a damn about boxing or sports at all. They just don't. Uh, Hamed uh, says, Hamed says, Mike, as long as we get the fights we want and the best fight the best, I don't think pay-per-views are going away. No, Hamed, pay-per-view is going to always remain a part of the sport. Uh, and there are some fights worth pay-per-view money. You guys, the fans, ultimately decide, right? You ultimately decide what's worth your money. Um, I think more and more of, our, of you are starting to find streams for these fights. Less and less of you are buying them. And that is leading to um, issues like we're seeing over at Showtime, uh, where they're going to have to go over to Paramount at some point here. But I'm with you. Pay-per-view isn't going away. My thing is, if it's not going away, fine. Okay. Let, let's use DAZN, for example, which DAZN has been abysmal this year. Showtime has had a good year, if you don't mind paying $500. And ESPN has had a sneaky, dare I say, dollar to dollar, like bang for your buck, ESPN has actually had the best year in 2023. Because they pick up fights like Zhang Joyce. Did they not have the um, the Joshua Usyk fight too? I think that, that rematch. They're picking up those kinds of fights. And those are the fights that diehard boxing fans want to see. And you're getting that with your subscription over there. The zone's not picking up th those sorts of fights. And Showtime, of course, isn't either. So I think the, the real value this year has been at ESPN. It really, really has. But anyway... Um, 
if if you're the zone, they were once a hundred dollars a year. Then they jacked their shit up to like two fifty a year here in the states, and they're doing pay per views. That that's just a slap in the face. I don't blame anybody for dropping their zone. I dropped it very publicly. Not not that like that that means anything in the big scheme of things, but like I am a diehard boxing lifer. If I'm dropping my subscription, that's saying something. I dropped my Showtime subscription a while ago, like a year or two ago. I dropped my DAZN this year. The only one that I've remained with was ESPN. And even that, it, it just expired this month and I haven't renewed it yet. I'm considering maybe renewing it. I, I just, I don't know if I need to. I got the fire stick and I could find these fights anywhere. I, I will say this, if I was going to pay for any of them, if I renew any one of them, it's going to be ESPN plus. All right. Um, let's, let's move on real quick. Um, I want to get to this review preview and then I'm going to try to get a couple calls guys. I'm only going to go for like an hour today. Um, uh, just to help my wife with, with the baby. Um, so we're just, we're just super busy today. And um, yeah, so we're probably going to go for like an hour. So anyway, last Saturday, September 23rd, Frank Warren had a card in London. It was uh, televised on ESPN Plus here in the States. In the main event, Zele Zhang improves to 26-1-1 with a knockout over Joe Joyce in the third round. Defends his interim WBO heavyweight title. So let's talk about Zhang, Big Bang Zhang real quick. Uh, he has improved vastly since that majority draw we saw him uh, have with Jerry Forrest back in 2021. Remember that one? How sloppy he looked. Uh, yeah, he's improved vastly. So what changed? I think that he learned a lot in that, even the Jerry Forrest fight, but the, the Hergovich fight, something kind of changed there. He showed us a level that we hadn't seen in him. His confidence started to peak. And sometimes guys in this sport, it's just about confidence and, and momentum. And right now, more than anybody in the heavyweight division, and I'm including the top guys, nobody has more positive momentum and beaming confidence than Zhang. He's the guy right now in, in that regard. And so he that's the key thing. He's also just learned craft as he's finally stepped up and faced – these top level opponents, he's been forced to learn on the job and he's shown us little things. So in this fight with Joyce, now apparently Zhang is saying they had um, spies in Joe Joyce's camp and they knew what Joyce was going to do. That he was going to move to his left and, and look only for the left hand from Zhang, because remember Zhang's a southpaw, look for that straight left hand that kept busting up Joyce's face in the first fight. And that's exactly what Joyce did. Okay, even if you knew that's what your opponent was going to do, you still have to be patient. You have to have the discipline to be patient, let things set up, and then you have to have the craft and skill to set up the knockout blow. Zhang did all those things, and he did them beautifully in this fight. The first round, he let uh, Joyce get a little comfortable and do what he wanted to do. He wanted to see if uh, Joyce was bringing anything extra based on what he had heard as scattering reports from camp. And Joyce was keeping his right hand up in front of his chin, right? Not the side of the head, but the front of his chin to catch that straight left hand from Zhang. 
And he was also kind of doing like a half shoulder roll kind of thing. Anytime Zhang threw a hook or used the right hand at all, he was kind of trying to roll with the punches now. And he was moving to his left, I should mention. Okay. Which is uh, moving into Zhang's right hand, his lead right hand, his hook. Zhang saw this right away and just took his time and let Joyce get comfortable in that pattern. If Zhang would have started throwing right hooks 30 seconds into the fight, perhaps Joyce makes an adjustment. Instead, he let Joyce win the first round. And he let Joyce, the first round was maybe 10-10, but if you were going to give Joyce a round, it would be the first. He let Joyce move that way until like halfway through the second round before he started really, really getting aggressive. What that did is that got Joyce in a pattern. It got Joyce feeling comfortable in that pattern. He felt safe moving in that direction. He felt, oh, I can see the left hand coming. Okay, I'm good. I'm good here. And he kind of lulled, Zhang lulled Joyce to sleep in that sense, right? And then um, back to the shoulder roll thing, though, guys, if you're going to do a shoulder roll or just kind of roll with punches, like Canelo does it a lot, you have to go all in on that. You have to be 100% in on it. You can't half-ass it. You can't 50% it. And so that's kind of what Joyce was doing. He'd kind of roll with punches. Sometimes he was completely squared up. Sometimes he gave a small, narrow angle and did it properly. But if you half-ass a shoulder roll against a southpaw who has a mean lead right hook, you're going to move right into it. It's going to hit you right on the temple. Also, the shoulder roll only really works when you're the taller fighter. You, you, you won't get hit with, with hooks and stuff the same way with if you're the taller fighter. They're going to be punching up at you, and they're going to be punching into your shoulder. But if you got a guy who's the same height as you, and because you're orthodox and he's southpaw, the distance is really cut, right? The distance is closer. Um, man, that hook is really, really dangerous. It was just a bad tactic from Joyce. What uh, Zhang ended up doing is shooting a straight left hand down to the chest, shifting while he shot that. So a lot of times, you know, when, when you shoot that straight left, a guy might lean over with it to the left, depending on the, the, the uh, stance of his opponent. What he did, what, what Zhang did, is he moved to his right while he shot that left to the chest. And that positioned him to come with a right hook over the top. So it was a throwaway punch to left hand. And what did Joyce do? He moved with it. He kind of turned his head and he gave his, basically his cheek and his temple up for that right hook. He moved right into it. It was beautiful. It was a perfect execution from Zhang. And I'm amazed that Joyce got up. He was done and the ref properly stopped the fight. That was a good stoppage. But Joyce really does have a good shit because that punch would decapitate most men. Okay, most men would be asleep for five minutes taking that punch. And somehow Joyce got up. I'm like, holy shit, this man really is hard as steel. But the fight was over. And Joyce is a guy <clears throat> that's never even been hurt before. And here it is, Zhang stopping him in the third round with the first really big punch. And he actually landed a couple of shots in the second round that buckled Joyce's legs. Joyce just did not see that right hand coming. He was so focused on the left. He didn't even look at the right hand. So um, where does Joe Joyce go from here? Look, I don't know. 
a rematch between Joyce and Dubois is still a big money fight over, not a huge money fight, but it's they're going to make money uh, doing that fight in, in London. A fight between Joyce and Anthony Joshua is a big fight over there. That actually makes pretty good money. It really, really does. So he's got options, all right? He's he's going to be back in a big fight soon enough. He's not going anywhere. But obviously, I, I, I don't know if I can put Joyce in the top 10 right now. Maybe because the division's so weak. Uh, but he's certainly not. I mean, we had him. I, I know I did. I had him up in the top five at one point um, recently because he just seemed like a guy that rolled downhill and couldn't be hurt. Well, I always said this about Joyce. I said, he will go as far as his chin will take him. Go back and look at the video. I must have said that a hundred times about him. And he went as far as his chin could take him. Now we know. As for Zhang, he's clearly a top five heavyweight. I still see a lot of people out there saying, he's not that good. He's not that good. He, he got lucky. He fought a really slow fighter. Man, nobody has done this to Joe Joyce. Stop. Give this man his credit. A lot of people thought Zhang beat Hergovich. A lot of people did. And now he's beat Joyce twice. So his last three fights, you could argue he beat Hergovich and Joyce twice. That's two top 10 heavy or two top 10 heavyweights. Yeah. And at the time he fought Joyce the first time around, Joyce was a top five heavyweight in the ratings. So give this man some credit. Tyson Fury is not even going to fight in 2023. Usyk's only going to fight once. Joshua has fought twice. I give him credit. Anthony Joshua has fought twice, but he's done fighting for this year probably. I doubt he'll be back in the ring before year's end. Um, who else do we got? Deontay Wilder's not fighting at all this year. Andy Ruiz, Luis Ortiz, none of them are fighting in 2023. So I don't think Frank Sanchez has fought yet this year. I'm just looking at the ratings, guys. In terms of active heavyweights, I rate Zhang three. It's because again, I'm not including Fury or Wilder. They're not serious boxers at the moment. Number the top heavyweight right now is Usyk. Then it's Joshua. Then it's Zhang. You got to say that, right? Who do you, who else do you put above him at this point? Again, I'm not including Wilder. I'm not including Ruiz. I'm not including Fury. None of those guys are serious. They're not fighting this year. I don't give a shit. I'm just talking about the guys actually fighting. Zhang right now is got to be the third best guy out there. And he's got the most momentum. He's got more momentum, more momentum than Usyk, Joshua, any of these guys. So uh, I want to see more of him. It, it, here's another thing. I'll, I'll say this too, and then I'll move on. Zhang obviously is from China. That country has 1.4 billion residents. If I'm Frank Warren, who's still got a piece of that, I think he's still the lead promoter or co-promoter or something when it comes to Zhang. I think they have a contract together. I'm looking at doing a showcase fight, maybe December, maybe early next year, January, February, over in China. It doesn't matter who the hell he fights. He could rematch Jerry Forrest, and they could do that over there in China. If 10% of the country watches, that is 140 million people. That's just in China, okay? So there is, there's some possible big, big business with this guy if the people in managing his career do this the right way. There, there's serious potential here. I also want to say one more thing. Now I just thought about it. You guys who have followed my show for years, you know I have said for years now 
you just wait. We are going to have a Chinese heavyweight title holder soon. And I got laughed at. I got mocked. Here we are. 2023, baby. Who's laughing now? All right. Also, uh, we had a matchroom card in Orlando, Florida on DAZN. On paper, it looked like this might be an interesting card. <sighs> yeah. In the main event, Richard Hitchens scores a unanimous decision over Jose Chon Zapeda, who is a shot spent fighter and is done at the top level. He's a gatekeeper at this point and will be used for, for prospects to build up their resume. I'm sorry. I mean, no disrespect, but that's where Zapeda is at at this point in his career. I think Hitchens and his people knew this coming in. That's why they did this fight. Uh, Hitchens was dominant, but I think Demetrius Andrade might be more exciting to watch. Seriously. I think Irislandi Lara might be more exciting to watch. Guillermo Rigondeau may be more exciting to watch. So with a loaded 140-pound division and options for the top guys all over the place, I don't see where Richard Hitchens fits in here because there's absolutely no entertainment value in what the guy does. He got a good win, but when you're fighting a guy that's kind of beat up and on his way out of the sport like this, bro, you're supposed to be dominant and explosive. He was dominant in craft, but the explosiveness wasn't there. I'm trying to think of like when Oscar Valdez fought Miguel Burchelt, everyone was picking Burchelt. Burchelt was rated so highly, but I heard things from friends of friends of friends. I heard things about Burchelt. And um, I was the only guy, I remember on the Ring Magazine panel, there was like 20 of us, and I was the only one that picked Valdez to win that fight. Not only did Valdez win, he won in emphatic fashion. He was explosive, dominant, and got that old man out of there. That's what Hitchens needed to do here, and he didn't do it. So, excuse me if I say, I don't need to see this guy fight again until he steps it up and remembers that this is entertainment. You don't get paid in this sport just for winning. Sometimes guys who lose get paid a lot more than guys who win, okay? It's about entertainment value. It's about what you bring to the table. And um, skill-wise, Hitchens is great, skillful little boxer. Entertainment-wise, yeah, I'd rather watch a root canal be performed. All right, also on this card, Connor Ben. We got to talk about this. Connor Ben, unanimous decision over Rodolfo. Orozco, who um, was, you know, a tough fighter, never been stopped, but definitely not a guy on the level of Conor Ben or any of the fighters uh, that he had fought recently in recent years and stopped and looked really dominant against. You guys got to remember, Ben stopped Samuel Vargas in a round. He stopped Chris Algieri, Chris Van Heerden early, third, fourth round, something like that. All those guys are better than Orozco, all of them. So I know Styles make fights. I get all that. I know that Counter Ben's been out of the ring for well over a year. It's a layoff. I get all that. But you had 10 rounds to hurt and stop this guy. He didn't do it. Given the performance-enhancing drugs test situation, the spiked eggs, all that stuff, seeing the explosive dominant knockouts before all that, and then the first fight back, you're in there with a showcase opponent and you can't get them out of there. I'm just saying the optics of it all don't look very good. If I'm Connor Ben, um, need to get back in the ring and need to be, get that explosive power back and show that um, 
you're the same guy that you were prior to the spiked eggs. I'll just leave it there. Also on this card, uh, the best fight on the card, Jessica McCaskill and Sandy Ryan fight to a draw. Jessica keeps her two belts and Sandy keeps her one belt. This was a three belt unification. A lot of people thought Sandy Ryan won this fight. That seems to be the majority opinion. Uh, not just from British fans either. It seems to be the majority opinion everywhere, but these two ladies put it on and ended up um, in, in terms of the most back and forth action. This was the, the fight of the weekend. So congrats to both ladies. Uh, you know what? Do it again. In situations like this, I say, just run it back. Run it back and settle the debates. <clears throat> okay, let's see. Uh, before I get into the preview. Trent Nonpareil with a super chat. Thank you so much, Trent. He says, uh, Zach Parker called out Anthony Yard at 175 on Saturday. Who wins? Hmm. That's interesting. You know, I would have said Zach Parker a while back. Now I'm not so sure. Maybe I'd pick Anthony Yard in that fight. But I'd have to really, really think about that and just kind of look at their recent resumes in, in more detail. But off the top of my head, bro, I don't know. I might, I might shade Yard in that one right now. I think Yard has learned a thing or two. I really, really do. And he's shown us some, some levels in recent years that, you know, we didn't know he had. Um, but you know, I have to think about it. Okay, preview time. This Saturday, September 30th, we have a few different um, shows. Matchroom has a show from Monte Carlo, Monaco on zone. Joe Cordina, 16-0, uh, defending his IBF 130-pound title for the second time uh, against Edward Vasquez. Uh, this is the level of matchups you're getting on zone right now, guys. Uh, you know, and I'm not trying to bash zone. I don't, this isn't a terrible fight or anything like that, but 250 bucks a year. Matchroom also has another card from Wembley Arena in London. Of course, this is also on the zone. Jai Opataya defending his IBF cruiserweight title for the first time against Jordan Thompson, a 15 0 undefeated Londoner with a dog shit resume. This is a big step up in opposition for him. So, this on paper appears to be a showcase type of fight for Opataya. Um, since upsetting <clears throat> Marius Bradis last July, Opataya has not fought at all. This is his first fight since that big breakout win for him. Was it a fluke? Is he going to go in there and get beat by Thompson? Well, we shall see. We shall see. Also, the big one, Las Vegas, PBC on Showtime, pay-per-view. Canelo Alvarez versus Jermel, not Jermel, Jermel Charlo, for the undisputed super middleweight championship. Now, real quick X's and O's. These guys are actually the same age. I think they're both 33. But in terms of boxing years and wear and tear, Canelo's the much older guy for several reasons. But most notably because he's just been in some tougher fights against way better opposition. His first two fights with Golovkin, I don't even really think about the third fight. But those first two fights with Golovkin, there is more wear and tear taken in those two fights than in Charlo's entire career. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I mean that literally. Those two fights put more wear and tear on Canelo Alvarez, more miles on his boxing odometer than Charlo's entire career. Yes, I'm saying that. 
And that doesn't include Canelo's other fights. Canelo's also a guy that, you know, he was a teenager when he fought at welterweight, so I don't really consider that. Uh, his career really started at junior middleweight, and now he's been fighting at super middleweight, and he recently fought at light heavyweight and took a beatdown against Dimitri Bevel, right? So this guy's got some wear and tear on him. So they're the same age, but Canelo's older, if you catch my drift. Jermel Charlo is taller. He's longer. He's going to swell up after the weigh-in and be the much larger fighter in there. Trust me on this. It's going to look like a super middleweight versus a light heavyweight in there. And the light heavyweight ain't going to be Canelo. Weight-wise, perhaps, of course, both of these guys are going to be cruiserweights the night of the fight. But just in terms of who's the bigger, longer, taller guy, that's going to be Charlo. Now, those, those things combined with the fact that I think Canelo has lost a step. I do not think this is the guy that peaked in the late 2010s, around 2020. That, that was actually, even by 2020, he was starting to, I would say the late 2010s was Canelo's peak years. That's when he was really, really peaking. And we're a few years removed from that. I think he's clearly lost half a step. I'm not saying he's shot. I'm not saying he's faded. He's still one of the top fighters in the world. But he is at the point in his career where if Jermel or Jamal Charlo were ever going to have a chance to beat Canelo, this is it. This is it. Okay. So um, all that being said, Canelo's going to win this fight. Canelo's just a better fighter. He's better in every single facet of the game. Than Charlo. I think Charlo is a better athlete. I think Charlo has maybe better footwork, maybe. But um, in terms of just craft, skills, head movement, defense, offense, counter punching, ring IQ, of course, experience, uh, level of opposition, all of that. Canelo is just uh, levels above Charlo. So unless Canelo really has completely lost the step and is just well, well past it and looks old overnight, I expect him to beat Charlo. But because Canelo has lost half a step, because of all the intangibles I just mentioned, I think Charlo's going to distance. If this fight happens two or three years ago, he does not go the distance. Canelo sleeps him in the late rounds. But now this fight's going all 12. PBC just signed a three-fight deal with Canelo. If there's going to be a robbery in this fight, because I hear the conspiracy theorists talking already, it's not going to go to Charlo. They have a multi-fight deal with Canelo, and they have big business down the line for him. So you could end up seeing uh, Canelo versus Jamal, and then Canelo versus Jamal, and then maybe Canelo versus Crawford. I don't know if he's ever going to fight Benavidez. I just don't. Um, but it, it's... PBC has big business here on, on, the, on the line. So if the cards, if it's a really close fight and the cards are going to go one way, plus look at the track record here. Look at, you know, uh, Charlo has actually lost some close fights on the cards, right? Didn't he lose that fight with Harrison and stuff? Canelo don't lose in Vegas. So this is going all 12 and Canelo Alvarez wins a decision. I want to talk about um, just how big of a super fight this is. Because we keep being told, oh, another super fight. This is like the sixth, seventh one this year. Oh, my God. Right? That's what Dan Canobio is telling us and Jake Donovan and those guys. 
It's not. And I'm not trying to shit on this fight, but it, it's not. I saw tweets this morning where um, ticket prices have been slashed by over 20% for this fight during fight week. If you have a super fight on your hands, even just a commercial fight where like, like Davis Garcia wasn't a fight that meant anything in, in the realm of boxing because of the weight division was held at and everything else. I didn't do anything for the lightweight or junior welterweight divisions, but commercially it had mass appeal on social media, right? Ryan Garcia brought all of his fans in to buy that pay-per-view. Uh, Gervonta Davis brought all his fans in to buy tickets. And it had big crossover mass appeal on in certain pockets of our population on social media. This fight doesn't have that because if you had anything like that, you're not discounting tickets by over 20% the week of the fight, especially when you have Canelo Alvarez, who is the biggest star in the sport. It's not the matchup fans wanted. It's not anywhere near. It's not a matchup that fans even asked for. No one's been asking for this. It's an interesting matchup, again, because of where both men are at in their careers. It's interesting. But nobody asked for this. And it's not this big, super-duper fight. When I look at Jermall, or I'm sorry, Jermall Charlo's resume, okay, let's talk about this. He had one fight each in 2020, 2021, 2022. He has not fought in nearly a year and a half. And yes, he's the undisputed junior middleweight champion. Do you know how many defenses Charlo has of his undisputed junior middleweight championship? Do you know? Zero. Zero. He won undisputed last spring, last summer. I think it was last spring. Hasn't defended it once. So you have a guy that just won the undisputed junior middleweight championship. And it's not as if Charlo went through a murderer's row to get it. He got three of those belts in one fight against a guy who kind of won the lottery. He benefited from some opportunistic matchmaking and timing. He hasn't had to fight some of the young guns like a Tim Zhu, who he was supposed to fight, remember? Somehow the sanctioning organization hasn't stripped him, even though those fights haven't happened. How's that work? I don't get it. What's going on? But this guy has zero defenses of his undisputed junior middleweight championship, and he's going to skip two divisions to fight the main man up at 168. Yeah. Canelo. Do you know how many defenses Canelo has of his undisputed super middleweight championship? Do you know how many he has? One. One. It was against a basically retired, cashing out, Mentally completely checked out Gennady Golovkin last September. One. So between these two undisputed champions, right? That's the promotion. Undisputed. Between the two of them, they have exactly one defense of their undisputed championships. And that was against a 40-year-old semi-retired fighter in his last big cash out. So. I'm a fan of both of these fighters. I think it's an interesting fight. Am I spending $85 to buy this fight? Nope. If I watch it, cool. If I don't see it live, I don't care. I can watch it Sunday morning when I get my daughter up and she's playing with her toys and I'm having my morning coffee. I can find it on the good old fire sticker on YouTube. I may watch it Saturday night. I may not. But I'm just telling you guys, that's just where I'm at with this. Um, I think that it's going to, somewhat resemble Canelo's fight with Daniel Jacobs. 
I think that's kind of what we're going to see here. I think Charlo has more in the tank now than Jacobs had at that point. Uh, but I do think there will be some parallels and similarities to how that fight looked. In the end, Canelo Alvarez wins this on points. All right. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. All right. Real quick, guys. Let's take a couple quick phone calls. These gots to be quick because I got to go. All right. So let's do this fast, guys. Let's run through this. Let's get our first call here. I think this is Hamed. Hamed, is that you, my brother? Yes, Mike. Uh, how's it going? What's up, Hamed? We got to keep it fast today, baby. What you got right, for me? What you got for me? I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. All right. You know, with this Canelo Charlo fight, obviously Charlo's moving up two divisions, and there's talk of Charlo fighting Crawford, but there's also talk of Canelo fighting Crawford. I don't want to see Canelo and Crawford, but say if Charlo does win, he'll be the undisputed super middleweight champion. At that point, who do you who do you want to see, and who do you think Charlo should fight if he somehow wins this fight? Benavidez. Benavidez is going to beat Andrade, and at that point, make Charlo Benavidez. Uh, that would be that would make a All lot right. of sense for PBC. Because uh, if Canelo wins. Do you think that Crawford fight happens? Yes. I got a feeling the plan was Spence and Crawford. No, Spence and Canelo. And now if it was. now if Canelo wins, and I don't, I don't want to see Crawford and Canelo, especially a super middleweight, because I think that's like three divisions north of why he's fought that, and he's come up from lightweight. I I don't know if do you think they'll actually make that? I don't I don't know if that's gonna be. It'll be a big fight, but I don't know if many people will actually buy into it. I think a lot of people would. I, I Look, Hamed, there there are a lot of dummies that are going to buy Tyson Fury's fight against Francis Ngannou, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. yes, people would buy Canelo Crawford because of the commercial appeal. Crawford right now is the hot guy because he just got that big win over Spence. If he gets another big win, yeah. let's say at 154 against the guy there, wins a title there, um, I think it's very possible that that third fight PBC has with Canelo is against Crawford. But Crawford, remember, is not a PBC fighter. He is not bound to a contract. He is an independent operator. It's going to be one-offs with him. So um, anything's possible. But yeah, I can absolutely see it happening. I really, really could. All right. And uh, before I go, I'll just ask you, um, first part of the question if Charlo wins, do you think he's pound for pound number one, or would you still have Crawford? That's a great question. I had not considered that. Um, it would depend on how he wins. You know, when Inouye beat Fulton, I was like, there's no way this can be topped. And then we saw what Crawford did against Spence, and I was like, holy hell, this guy's pound for pound. And now Crawford, I, I look at him as a guy that would compete in any era. He could have competed with the Four Kings in the 80s, he could have competed yeah. with Robinson. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say I really do feel he could have. He's that kind of fighter. I don't know if Charlo beating Canelo, especially if it's by points or something, if that is going to supersede what Crawford did. Uh, but it's definitely something I would consider. He, he'd definitely be at least number three. He'd be up there for sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You want to the second part, but before I go, do you think Higovic uh, has got a better chance than Zag against Usyk because both of those guys are going to fight Usyk sooner or later the Fury fight doesn't happen which I doubt but do you think based on Styles Usyk 
would have a tougher fight with Higovic or Zhang. And Zhang looked really impressive, but Higovic does have the win on paper against him as well. Good question. Um, right now, I just think style-wise... I think Zhang would cause more problems because he's a southpaw, because he can go to the body with authority. Um, yeah. And he has different punches that Hergovic doesn't have. So, you know, I, I actually think Hergovic might be an easier fight for Usyk at this point. Um, but Zhang would bring a lot more money, a lot more money. Yeah, I, I would probably say the opposite. If anyone's got time, watch Hergovic, a 19 spot in Valda. I know his, I know Valda is very flawed, but Higovic, he looked very impressive. I know he's only sparring. I've seen that, that, that but video. Yeah. I think Higovic is a bit underrated by some people. But thanks, Mike, for taking my call. I'll let you get to the rest of the call. Thanks, Hamid. And I'll speak to you soon. Okay, right, brother. Thanks a lot. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, good stuff from Hamid today. Good questions. I think this is I think this is Thad. Let's get Thad here. Thad, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Mike, I got a nickname for you next time you go in the ring. Michael, the real Big Bang. Montero. Oh, I like it. <laughs> you could tell, you could, you could tell GLA to go, you know, go to hell for that nickname. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no, he really is the Big Bang and I think he's the juggernaut. And that was a great performance. He keeps wowing me. I, I, I'm an idiot for not backing him after seeing him against Forrest. He floundered. I thought he was just a, you know, a throwaway guy, but man, this guy is the third, in my opinion, the third best heavyweight. I think he might have a shot to beat Fury because we saw Otto Valine chop up Fury. He just didn't have the power to finish him. Zhang does. Um, and Otto Valine's a great fighter. We're going to see that against, uh, uh, he's fighting this weekend. Oh shit. Is that fight this weekend? Dude, I completely forgot about that. Murat Gassiev, Otto Valine. That is a damn good fight. Um, yeah, back and forth on that one. I can't pick a winner. I would say uh, Valine because I haven't seen much of uh, Gossiev at heavyweight, but Gossiev is very underrated, man. He could punch even though he's coming up from cruiserweight. I am looking forward to that fight. But I think uh, Valine is so underrated. Yeah. Um, again, that style of his, but, but uh, Zile Zhang, my God, he's a problem for anyone, especially the first six rounds with Usyk. Usyk will school him after the sixth, and I think he would win maybe stop him late, but, uh, Zhang and he's like a local guy in Jersey. Now he's, he's actually, you know, melding well into that community. He's, he seems like he has a great personality. Just these guys don't speak English. That's the only knock. It just stinks. But, um, but, but it's out of business, Mike. And, uh, you know, with this whole thing with PBC and and these networks going pay-per-view and DAZN, a joke, I cut my cord on DAZN. Uh, ESPN plus good value, but they're going up in price another dollar in October. So, uh, the, the content isn't there. ESPN plus probably has the best content, but, uh, the Baturbiate fight was canceled. That happens a lot where you're banking on, you know, having this fight and it's like, Oh, my subscription expired. You don't get the fight, but the zone is really struggling. They don't have, you know, the, the big, the big, uh, no pun intended, big bang for your buck. And, uh, and, and you have to, you know, go back to PBC's business model. They're the one who set this up by overpaying fighters for fighting tomato cans. And then when they were supposed to step up against big competition, they said, no, I want 10 times what I, when I fought this guy. And, and that, that, that's not how you run a business. You know, you, you don't overpay the market. You don't go against regular economics. 
Okay. That's why capitalism works and communism fails. Okay. You overpaid these guys. They don't want to fight the big fights. And, and Frank Martin is what we're left with. Frank Martin passed up 1.2 million or $1 million and a chance at the, the title. Okay. To fight in a once in a lifetime fight against Shakur, who's probably one of the top pound for pound guys. And he says, no, he's going to get beat by some ham and agar for like 50 grand. Another mistake by people who think they know business because they're, they're supposedly businessmen that didn't graduate high school. Now, I went to business school. I went to college. I, went to, I got my master's or well, partially my master's in business. And these guys were the ones that were goofing off in class, dropping out of school. But yet all of a sudden, they're businessmen. And they're telling these guys, these fighters, hey, you got to hold out for more. And it ruined the sport on a grand level. Mike, unfortunately, this is a new sport now because the big fights aren't happening. Contrary to popular opinion, they say it's the greatest time in 30 years. Bullshit. Yeah. Come on. I'm an old school guy. This, this, this era stinks. Okay. And it's going to get worse now that a lot of these guys are, uh, you know, passing their prime and guys like Canelo are going out and Lomachenko's on the back nine and uh, Triple G's retiring. You just don't have that class anymore, a fighter that fights anyone. At any time, um, a lot of those guys were ducked, and we know that. But these, these, this new era of American fighter, particularly, you know, they just don't understand. You have to put the work in. They think they could become Mayweather overnight because Al Heyman said, "Hey, I made Mayweather." No, he didn't. Top rank made Mayweather. Mayweather made Mayweather early. He became a bad guy later in his career. Stunk out the joint, running around by being the, the uh, gorgeous George persona of the WWF from years ago playing the bad guy role. Okay. That doesn't work anymore. These guys, Frank Martin, no one knows Frank Martin. Okay. He's not going to, he's not going to have this opportunity again. And and this is what it led to Mike and people could get pissed off hearing it. You know, well, you don't know boxing. No, I know business. I know business. Okay. And people have to understand they ruin the sports for all of us. Okay. You, you might be making money, you know, off of boxing and, and, and salute to you. But it doesn't do good for the rest of us and you when this happens, when fights can't happen because of overpricing and pricing yourself out. Okay? So, hey, if you, if you don't like it, take it up with the, with the boss man, Al Heyman, you know, who, uh, who, who, you know, actually, in my opinion, he's a, like a glorified ticket scalper. I, I want you to ask your friend that's in the business of, of selling tickets. He's a good guy. Uh, Mike, his name, you should ask him about Al Heyman and that ticket deal where um, just like in the uh, music business where they would buy up all the tickets and then sell them online for like 50 times the amount that they were listed price gouging. I forget um, what they, what they, uh, what there's a name for it. It's not I know scalping, what you're talking about. Yeah, a lot of guys do that. Um, I, yeah, my, well, my I'll, I'll tell you this, my, my, I got a couple ticket yeah. guys. Okay. Some of them, I mention their names publicly. Some of them I don't because they want to stay more underground. Mm -hmm. The guy that you're talking about does not do PBC fights. He doesn't do them because he doesn't make any money because they're so overpriced. He only gets involved the week of the fight. He'll come in he'll do a buy the week of the right. fight because that's where he makes money. Uh, but when right. Matrim does a show, when top, he mainly works with top rank because they price their tickets right. 
he makes money on those shows. So he travels the country right. working those shows, but he does not work PBC shows. I'll just say that much. <clears throat> yeah, and that should tell everybody what, what the deal is. And hey, everybody's to blame, but PBC started that model. They wanted to monopolize and they, they started overpaying fighters and then Andy Hearn had to start overpaying fighters and now then um, Bob had to start overpaying fighters and it all went to shit. And then they all lost money and then we're, we're all stuck paying for the bill now with pay-per-views. But Mike, let me leave you with, with this. I was out in Vegas briefly on some business and I talked to some guys from the casino some old friends and um, I have to disagree with you on the Canelo uh, deal with uh, Charlo. They want Charlo to win. Charlo is going to be the uh, mm. sentimental guy on the cards if it does go there. Okay. Mm. Because Canelo is over. This is how it's expe- explained to me. Like in wrestling, you know, when you're over, that means the crowd is going to back you regardless. The crowd's going to back Canelo regardless, even if he loses. And if it does go to a decision, don't be shocked to see a, another like Devin Haney type decision over Lomachenko. Okay. With, uh, with how, how this is, is set up currently. Yeah. But this because, Charlo, um, brings no you know, money. Charlo brings no money to the table, but that's, that's not how they look at it. They look at it where, you know, they look at who supports Charlo and, and, and who they can sucker the, the most and, and get a new entity, bring fresh meat in. Like that's the whole thing. These guys, in Vegas, they want new money. They want new people to, to siphon off of. Okay. They look at people like, uh, like what they can take from them. That's how they judge you. Okay. These big wigs out there, they don't look at you as a, just a regular, you know, fan. No, they look at you, how much I could take from you. They view Charlo's fan base. They see online, they see these idiots. They're like, look at these suckers. We, you know, we need some of that, that cash flow. We need these guys betting fights. We need these guys buying up all the shit here in Vegas that we sell them for crap. You know, they, they would like not be upset, you know, with having Charlo pull an upset. It would, it would benefit them in many ways with the economy, with the betting they want. He's a low, if there's low odds on, on Canelo, Canelo's only three to one. That's mm. that's line should be six, seven, eight to one. So it's, it's low for, I, so I asked the first thing I'm like, why is the Canelo odds so low? Because he went to okay? distance with John. And Ryder. that's when they told him. But, well, well look, that's another thing. We'll, we'll find out. Look, if you, if you're right, uh, I'll absolutely give you your credit uh, next week when we do the show. Yeah, but I'm not calling an upset, Mike. Believe me. I think Charlo's overrated as hell, and I think Canelo might stop him with a body shot. But if it does go to decision, do not be shocked to see Canelo in eight rounds and then get the, uh, the Devin Haney gift decision, like against Loma. It's going gonna, it's gonna to baffle people, but... I, I do think Canelo knocks him out. I do think he catches him with a body shot because Castaño, he's not a great fighter. Charlo struggled against him, and Canelo is just 10 times the fighter as Castaño. And Castaño put a hurting on, on Charlo. I just think Canelo stops him. And this is a diminished Canelo, believe me. Oh, yeah. But the powers that be, they favor Charlo, and Al Heyman does as well. His brand is, is, is sucking wind, and he would love one of his guys you know, to win this fight. So there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Don't be shocked. Just don't be All shocked. Right, we shall see. All right. All right. Thad. All right. Thanks, thanks Mike. I'll All say, right. I'll say this much guys. Um, if Canelo dominates and brutally stops Charlo, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying, if we saw an absolute beat down, Twitter is going to go nuts. It's, it's not going to be bad as uh as Crawford Spence or, or, or Fury Wilder, but they're going to go nuts. Um, 
But they're, they're, I don't think they'll go as crazy because Canelo technically now is a PBC fighter because he signed a multi-fight deal there. I just got to say, like, I understand some of Thad's points there. But the comparison to Haney Lomachenko is Lomachenko brings no money to the table. Haney doesn't bring a lot, but he has that Vegas establishment behind him. And I think they see potential dollars in the future with him. He's also super young. He's in his early 20s. So you talk about new meat, a new fan base. It makes sense to go with Haney. Uh, that's the way Vegas historically has gone in that kind of a matchup. But here, Charlo's 33 is the same age as Canelo, and he doesn't bring 10% of the economic muscle to the table that Canelo does. Even this faded you know, version of Canelo, who's lost half a step. So I, I just can't see the establishment going in that direction. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Would not be the first time. All right, let's take one more call, guys. We're going to take one more. We're going to go to Nacho. Nacho Man. What's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Mike. What's going on? Um, okay, so uh, I think that is a little far out there with that conspiracy theory. I really don't see um, the Vegas establishment putting any kind of uh, muscle behind Charlo because, like you said, Mike, He's an older guy, and he's never really established himself as a ticket seller. So what the hell kind of money is he really going to bring? Besides, his fans are not purchasing tickets to even go to the fight uh, in Vegas this weekend. So I honestly think, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like this idea that, oh, there's a sucker born every minute, and we're going to try to milk him. Like, that's just wrong, because if that was the case, we would have had a sellout by now. And then he could make that claim like, oh, well, maybe the Charlo fans are going to show their economic muscle. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think a lot of it is just uh, smoke and mirrors when it comes to Charlo and his uh, so-called fan base. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm just going to ask a few things, Mike, and then, uh, uh, you know, I'll let you go. Um, The first one being after these two guys struggled and basically lost this weekend, do you think it's time that somebody talked to Joyce and Zapata about hanging them up instead of continuing? Great question. Um, I actually think, I think Joyce has some big money options that are still available for him. So I, if I were him, I'd stick around and try to do a rematch with Dubois, a fight with Anthony Joshua, because those are going to be seven figure paydays for Zapata. I just don't see where he gets another big payday here unless he completely sells out to one of the big names at 140, um, goes for one last title fight, whatever. But um, a friend of the show here is part of Zapata's camp. And I talked to him last week and he told me, you know, basically that Zapata's kind of checked out. He, he, his sparring looked really flat. He didn't look very good. His team was concerned about him going into this fight. He really seems to be on the way out. I think with Joyce, he just, we see now what his level is. Um, But against a guy like Dubois and stuff, and really against any heavyweight, he's still going to have a chance and he can still make some money. He's had a couple of tough fights against Zhang. But other than that, he hasn't taken a lot of damage. But Zapata, man, I just think he's at a point where he could get badly, badly hurt if if he continues fighting much longer. Okay. Um, and then, uh, the other thing, Mike, um, uh, El Venado won the other day against, uh, Joe Gonzalez 
and he's looking for a unification in his next fight, who would you rather see him face? Would you rather see him face Robisi Ramirez or the winner of Lee Wood, uh, Josh Warrington? You know, if he fights the UK guys, the atmosphere will be really, really fun. But style-wise, I'd like to see him fight Ramirez. I think that'd be fun. Um, and I, I actually, I, I'm a fan of Ramirez. I, I think um, he's an underappreciated fighter. I don't know. I, I, I like I like him, and I, I'd like to see that matchup. But you can't go wrong either way. You really can't go wrong either way. And maybe what you do is the Ramirez fight first, and then the winner of that goes over to the UK and fights in front of one of those big crowds, and you know you, you unify the whole thing. That'd be awesome. Maybe we can get that. Yeah, hopefully that, that ends up um, happening uh, for sure. Um, and then also, I know you brought it up when you were talking to uh, uh, Beeb and Eric yesterday, Mike. If they can't get any of the top five uh, contenders to face them next, who would you like to see Zhang fight in China as a stay busy fight? Anybody. Like I said earlier on the show, he could rematch Jerry Forrest. I don't care. Just get him in the ring again. Like if they could do a fight in December or maybe early January, it could be anybody. Because um, I think he get a voluntary defense for his interim title. I think he'd be allowed to do that. But make a big event over there in China, man. Um, those cities over there are massive. Not I've been to Shanghai. I went to Shanghai once for a couple of weeks. And it makes L.A. and New York look like medium-sized cities it, those cities are massive dude there's so many people there mm -hmm. so like if they did a big fight in shanghai or beijing or something like that'd be that'd be amazing man um i'd love to see that i mean when have we had a heavyweight uh, oh. fight in china you know what i'm saying like that's that's really that'd be really cool yeah yeah that'd be definitely something for the history books because yeah. we've never seen it before so yeah, it would definitely be a unique uh, situation for sure. And then uh, really quick, last thing, Mike. Uh, we saw him come back on the undercard and knock off the rust, and he had a little bit of trouble against the opponent that uh, he fought this weekend uh, with Connor Ben. I have a suggestion, Mike, and I wonder what you think of it. What would you think of Connor Ben fighting somebody like um, Israel Madrimov? or Michelle Thoreau in a fight um, either next or maybe after he gets another tune-up to like kind of get the rust off completely. The Majima fight could be ugly for him, but Soro, yeah. I think Soro would be interesting. Um, I want to see, was it just rust? Or, you know, cause I'm telling you, you know, I'm not going to get into all the, stuff with, with his testing yeah no we don't need to go in the it's just that whole testing shit like yeah. that's just too long yeah but it just um yeah he didn't look the same maybe it was just rust maybe in his next fight he'll be the guy that we saw before because man those three fights before that i mentioned him uh fighting samuel vargas chris vanderheen like or van heerden he was uh he was exciting I enjoyed watching him in those fights. I was like, damn, dude, like I, I want to see more Connor Ben. And then the fact that he speaks beautiful Spanish, uh, he with all the inflections and he he speaks really good Spanish. He, he's definitely marketable, yeah. dude. He's very marketable. 
but um no yeah for yeah, sure yeah yeah um yeah the i did but honestly mike as much as like you give them some credit for getting those wins against those three guys you mentioned i think to a certain extent maybe it was just the matchmaking of those yeah. three fights that's a good that point. made him look a lot better than he really was that's my only concern as far as when it comes to those three wins, because he didn't face a prime Van Heerden, a prime Algeria, or a prime Vargas. Yeah, he fought three guys that were kind of on the decline. So you know, it, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I would definitely like to see him maybe get one more tune-up to knock off any more any last rust that's left, and then have him fight somewhat of a name at fifty-four to see if he is really a legit guy or if he's just a, a novelty w- with a famous last name like Chris Eubank is. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All um, right, Mike. Well, I agree. Okay. All right. Well, that, that was my call, Mike. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Nacho. All right. All right. I know I got a few of you guys I'm leaving on hold here. I'm sorry, but we've been going for over an hour. I promised my wife I'd do an hour today. We'd be doing – an hour 13 here. So let me get to this super chat from Deed. Thank you so much, brother. He says, I got Canelo getting a lion pelt in seven rounds. Okay. Look, if that happens, dude, Twitter's going to freak out because <laughs> those fans over there, man, they, they do not handle losses like that very well. And uh, Twitter's going to have another freak out. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this show. We'll see you next week. We'll do it again next week and we'll uh, review all the fights this weekend. Do not sleep on that heavyweight fight overseas between Murat Garcia and Otto Valin. That might be the best fight of the entire weekend. Trust me on that one. Alright guys, have a great one and we'll do it in a week. Love you guys and I'll see you at the fight.